This is a Pasco Media production. Please visit pascomedia.com. Hello and welcome to the Abiding Together podcast where we hope to provide a place of connection, rest and encouragement on the journey for you as we go together with Christ. My name is Sister Miriam James and I am joined as always by my lovely, wonderful friends in Christ, Heather Kim and Michelle Benzinger. Heather Kim, how are you this morning? I am well. It's early over here. We're all in uh, different time zones. So Sister, you're East Coast. Michelle is Central and I'm Pacific. So... (laughs) It's early, girl. (laughs) I am so happy to be with you both. Amen. Michelle, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm good. I've had coffee, unlike Heather. So um, I am up and raring to go this morning. So all good. I think we should really just, in full disclosure, let our listeners know that Heather Kim is drinking hot water right now in lieu of the caffeinated goodness that we usually consume. I don't know what's going on. (laughs) I don't know how I feel about that. It's Lent, I know, but I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, it's lit. I'm offering it up. No, I I woke up and I didn't have enough time to make a coffee because it's a serious production in my house to make a coffee. I don't just throw the pot on. I got I got to make my espresso, and I was running out of time, so I I went for the hot water and realized that's totally old lady of me. But you know, <laughs> so just gonna go with it for now. Something something's better than nothing. If you start slurring your words, we'll stop at some point and just have you kind of step away. <laughs> Yeah, I may need an intermission to go get a coffee. Come back and join uh, Michelle, and you were telling us also that at your house today, you're having you're setting up for a wedding shower, which I love just your heart for the woman that's getting married. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, she would love that I'm talking about her because she's so <laughs> humble. Um, yeah, a good friend of ours. And actually, she's our next door neighbor. Katrin is getting married. And so we're having a beautiful bridal shower for her tomorrow to celebrate her. And she is one of those people that has given to so many other people. So everyone just really wants to shower her with love. So in the background, while we're recording podcasts, I have other women in my house walking in the back door with flowers and chairs and um, all that kind of good stuff as we set up. So, but it'll be good. It'll be a beautiful day to celebrate someone so beautiful. I I love that. And I think that's going to really tie into what we're going to talk about. We're about to journey into a four-part series on the feminine genius. So we're so glad that all of our listeners are along with us on the journey as we do this. And as we know, John Paul II, St. John Paul II, has extensively talked about the feminine genius and and hearkens to different saints along the way. But one thing that Pope Francis uh, recently said, he said, the church, the church cannot be herself without woman and her role. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to be a woman, what our feminine genius is, how we are called to, you know, renew the world. And we're going to do that in a four-part series beginning today. So I hope that you journey with us as we kind of delve more deeply into the feminine genius, into the greatness that God has destined you to become as a woman, made in his image and likeness. And maybe we could just talk a little bit as an intro, Heather, about the feminine genius and kind of how you experienced that, or maybe how you came across even the teaching or just the reality of the incredible dignity of being a woman. Yeah, this is quite a topic. You know, it seems hard to to break it down into small pieces, but I'm glad that we break are because <laughs> break it down for me. Um, break it down. 
I, I'm glad that we are because, you know, it's not talked about enough yet. The Holy Father and the church is speaking about this with such reverence um, that, yeah, I think it's, it's wonderful that we're, we're just going to, you know, scratch the surface at the very least um, mm-hmm. over the next four, four sessions that we do. But, um, you know, I, when I first read, like, just even the Holy Father's letter to women several years ago when it came out, I was... Um, in ministry and, you know, just a, a young woman in the church. And it made me cry. <laughs> I just, mm-hmm. when he kept just saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, like to all these different women. And um, just, I think the way that he spoke to us with, yeah, such dignity, like just reverencing who we are. It was really, it was really, really beautiful. I think sometimes we can get caught up in how other people see the church that <clears throat> it's down on women and we don't really have an important role, you know, which really isn't the heart of the church. Although, unfortunately, mm-hmm. sometimes that is the lived experience of some people within the church. Mm-hmm. It's not the heart of the church, which is two mm-hmm. very, very different things. How about you, Michelle? I guess for me, um, I remember when I first read these documents, I was in college and I experienced them and it was Pope John Paul II, you know, who is so formative to all of us. You know, I feel like he really fathered us in a lot of different ways, his teaching. And I remember hearing, um, going to lecture and hearing Marianne Glendon speak and she's a, mm-hmm. used to be a law professor at Harvard and she's just really, um, really well versed in this subject and something in my heart just stirred. Just hearing this woman um, really put uh, words, the longings of my heart. Um, and for me, it's just a beautiful thing. I think a church as a mother um, to call forth other women in their fullness as a mother, you know, and who we are as life givers and um, stuff like that. And then just what Pope Francis has said a couple of times, different times to pick up where John Paul II left off, just saying, you know, wherever there is a problem, you know, the feminine genius needs to be a part of the answer and the solution. And I just, yeah, there's something in me that really stirs with that. Great. And I really feel like um, in the state of the church is in the state where the Holy Spirit is moving, that there will be um, almost like a chorus of women to really mm-hmm. even expand this vision of what a feminine genius means within the church. So mm-hmm. I'm just excited. I agree with both of you. And I, I know myself, even though I grew up Catholic, I certainly didn't grow up hearing about the feminine genius. And it really wasn't until I joined religious life. I, I, I often say that I had to join religious life to learn how to mean what it means to be a woman. I learned a lot about what it means to be a woman in religious life and learning what it means to be bride and receptive and open and, and life-giving and uh, full of grace. And my, one of my superiors, a sister Anne-Marie Walsh, was somebody who had extensively studied John Paul II's letters and Edith Stein and just different thinkers in the church about women and our call to, you know, to heal the world. And I was so captivated by that. And I, like you said, Heather, it, it's, it harkens something deep within me that I, I knew inherently, but my lived experience was something very, very different in my own brokenness. But it was something that I knew that there was something beautiful about being a woman that was that I, I just didn't quite know how to put words to it. And I have so just been so grateful, just the continuing study of the feminine genius, especially in, in society today, like the call to that. We need it. We, we need women to come together. Like we talked about in the very first podcast, we need women to come together purely and simply for the benefit of all mankind mm-hmm. and it will change the world. And that's kind of what we're trying to do in our little podcast yeah. <laughs> every week. Yeah. So, well, let's kind of just delve into that then. So I'm going to start with, Pope Paul VI, in his closing address for the Second Vatican Council, 
said something very important, and it's a very famous quote, uh, and he, I'll read part of it. He says, the hour is coming, and in fact has come, when the vocation of woman is being achieved in its fullness, the hour in which woman acquires in the world an influence, an effect, and a power never hitherto achieved. That is why at this moment, when the human race is undergoing so deep a transformation, women impregnated with the spirit of the gospel can do so much to aid mankind in not falling. So the world can't step into all that God has for it without the involvement of women. Women are, are the God makes, you know, in his image and likeness, he makes male and female. And so he's calling us in this deep gift of himself and the revelation of who he is to change the world. And so we're going to talk about four characteristics of the feminine genius. And so we're going to talk about receptivity, sensitivity, generosity, and maternity. And so today we're going to start off with receptivity, this act of receptivity of a woman. And I want to just, uh, I'm going to hand it over to the two of you, but I just want to, I, Anne Voskamp, which we're all big Anne Voskamp fans, recently for the International Day of Women, she wrote a beautiful blog about the power of women and just the beauty of women. And she says, I love this quote. She said, God chose to make his entry point into the world through the holy space of a woman, to unfold himself inside of a woman, to drink of a woman, to be held and nourished and cared for by a woman. That's the jolting truth of how God loves women with his honor. And I just was pierced by that. So kind of as we delve today into the topic of receptivity, of active receptivity, maybe, uh, Heather, do you want to kind of start us off with just this area, especially you as a mother, as a wife and a mother, this re- the receptivity, the heart of the feminine genius? Yeah, you know, I just listening to those quotes. It's so it's so beautiful. I think often, you know, when we do hear things like, well, you know, the church or Christians don't seem to reverence women. And that example of Our Lady, I always go back to that because this is how Jesus chose to come into the world was through a woman and her mm-hmm. yes mattered, you know, that she wasn't forced to do this. Like she had a choice and, um, and the beauty was that she was totally receptive to the gift of the Holy spirit and thus bringing, you know, Jesus into the world. <clears throat> and I think, you know, our receptivity as women is so, so important. And it often, I think the genius of woman is getting lost in society because there is such this push for equality, which with mm-hmm. men, which I absolutely agree with. Yes, mm-hmm. we need to, I'm, I'm a feminist too, you know, like, mm-hmm. yes, we need to be, we need to have equality with men in our pay and respect and, you know, all of these different aspects of the world. Yet we are not men. You know, these uh-huh. differences of our feminine genius are essential and the world needs that. So if we if we don't fully live, you know, things like receptivity, then the world is missing out on something wonderful. And it's not that men aren't receptive, you know, and that we got to make that clear, like all these things uh-huh. of the feminine genius. It's not like women have this and men don't. It's not like uh-huh. that. But but we have a specific gift to live out. And, you know, just being a mother, that changed my whole life. You know, when I found out I was pregnant with Maria, we couldn't get pregnant for a while, you know, um, which was very difficult. And and then when I did become pregnant with Maria, you know, halfway through the pregnancy, I start realizing I, I don't know if I can love this child like the way that she should be loved by a mother. Uh, like I've never had that experience before. I've never been a mother before. Um, I wasn't even a babysitter very much because I was the youngest <laughs> in my whole family. I didn't have little cousins or little brothers and sisters to babysit. Like, could I do it? Could I love her enough? And uh, and it was just such a wild experience because the moment that she was born, 
I just had all this emotion like well up for her that was so unexpected. And um, <laughs> I was like, I don't even know you and you're wrecking me like you're <laughs> because I just I just lo- love you so much. And and I think that that is such a, a beautiful analogy of women's receptivity. And no matter what your state is in life, you know, whether you're a mother or whatever, we're all called to be mothers. We have this capacity to invite life and and to bear life to the world. And so no matter what state we're in, you know, we could be a spiritual mother to many. We can, you know, the way that we invite life into our world and bear life to the world is an incredible mm-hmm. gift we have. Mm-hmm. Michelle, what are your thoughts about that as we kind of delve into the area of receptivity as a woman? Um, when I was, yeah, I mean, I've been really just thinking and not wrestling, but thinking and just this as we talked about this week, um, where we felt this was the direction to go to break open feminine genius. And um, there's something about receiving like that you have to trust the person that you're receiving a gift from, you know, when someone says, Hey, I want to give you something. And the first thing we usually say is, what do you want to give me? Like we question, you know, the gift, and, but more importantly, we question the giver, you know? So, um, receptivity, like lived out to his fullness has to come from relationship, you know, and mm-hmm. trusting the giver, um, and who is going to give it to us. And I was just thinking back on my, you know, just different times where I really have been open to whatever the Holy Spirit is doing or wants to give me. It always brings forth life. You know, it always brings something, even if it's hard, even if it is hard, you know, but even I think even the harder situations um, in our life when we've been on foreign mission or we've done the adoption process or shoot, just even raising six kids, like figuring out navigating life day to day and all that comes up with them. When I'm, when there's an openness to receive uh, with the Holy spirit and we are doing it together where I feel like we're a team, like we're co-creating together, especially like my kids that I'm like, all right, we're in this together. I receive his <laughs> grace. He pours it out. We can do this. But on the flip side, when I go into, um, controlling mother mode or controlling woman mode, I start grasping, you know, and you know, when you're receiving your hands are open, when you're grasping, your hands are closed, you know, and there's not that grace and there's not that flow and there's not that power to really just, uh, be in union with the Holy spirit. And just thinking about receptivity, it's like, um, doing a beautiful dance with the Holy spirit, you know, Mm. allowing him to lead. You don't take the lead, which anyone that knows me, I usually like to take the lead. Um, so, but in a beautiful dance and a harmony and, um, you're doing it together. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. What about you, Miss sister? I, I love this. And I love the reality of receptivity and how woman is really assigned to the world of the whole bride. The church is a bride. And even when receptivity is challenging, like kind of like you both have said, it's like, it can be overwhelming at times, the gifts that God wants to give and how we experience that. And, it's the, the the act to be able to continue to open our hearts to the power of the Holy Spirit to receive life and to give life is life changing. And I just every now and then I just interesting, you know, we know we all we're all grown women and we've all had discussions and all of us, you know, we have different vocations and myself as a religious sister and both of you as as a wife and a mother and 
just that the different challenges of being open and receptive and continuing to give and, and even, uh, you know, acknowledging the difficulties and the struggles of, of just different areas of our life. But when we're faithful to that, to be continually open to the truth that God wants to pour into us and that as women, especially with a, a special capacity, John Paul II calls us expert in relationships. And so our gift of receptivity is ordered toward communion and relationship. It's ordered toward making the world more human. And one of my, I really enjoy the, a book by Dr. Alice von Hildebrand called On the Privilege of Being a Woman. And I remember when, when I first read that book, I'm like, I'm not so sure it's a privilege. <laughs> I, think it's, <laughs> I think it's challenging at times and, you know, just had to work through a lot of my own and still do my own struggles or my own broken ideas of, of femininity and womanhood. But she said, you know, you see that act of receptivity because receptivity is not passive. And unfortunately in society today, it's kind of pa- literally passed off. It's like, oh, you just kind of are just passive and whatever happens to you, you have no choice. But really the act of receptivity and being open and, and willing and completely conforming ourselves to God's grace. She said, you see that in the natural order, even when a woman you know, you know, is in the marital embrace with her husband and, you know, he gives her a microscopic seed. So she receives a microscopic seed and she gives back an immortal soul. Mm. And I have always just absolutely loved that just image of a woman and her, the, as she receives the person, the human person, she has that gift to be able to see the person as a whole, to receive them and to bring them into life. You know, she's the heart of the home. I think many, many of our holiday traditions revolve around a matriarch of a family who, you know, we go to grandma's house, or we go to aunt Sally's house and everybody's kind of crammed in the kitchen talking and laughing. And, you know, when she passes away, the women of the family get together and say, okay, who's going to host the next event. And so women were called to bring people together. And it's that receptivity of the person that enables us to bring people into deeper communion and relationship. Mm-hmm. And so we see that in just various aspects of our life. And I like that John Paul II says that, you know, take your feminine genius women into all areas of your life. <laughs> take yeah. it, you know, take it into the law office, take it into the sports field, take it into your home. I mean, take it everywhere. And it, it's the feminine genius of, of who God truly is. So when I think about that, just in my continual prayer of that and uh, who she is as a woman that kind of speaks to me in those areas of, of her, you know, as a woman. So. Yeah. And I think too, that the more that we are receptive, the more that we open ourselves up, our capacity increases, you know, oh, it's like man. the more that we open ourselves up to the love of God, our capacity to love increases. And like I was saying, when, when I had our, our first child, Maria, I had never known that kind of love before. And it changed my heart. Like it totally changed my capacity to love. Like even other children. It's funny because <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this out loud, but you know, like <laughs> I always liked other kids, but I just was so unfamiliar with them that whenever I was around kids or somebody would say, Hey, can you watch our kids, you know, for a bit? I would be like nervous and then kind of relieved when they would go home, you know, like when the kids would go back to their, back to their parents, (laughs) because I just didn't know that kind of love. I felt so uncertain and I wasn't, yeah, I just wasn't sure of myself. But after I had my own children, the capacity to love other children and, and other people just increased dramatically. Like I just love being around children, the gift that they are and not just my own children. Like I want to welcome in our friends, children. And, you know, I just have this heart for them that I just light up when I see them. And, um, and I, and I think that that's an important aspect that often we forget. And sometimes we might feel like we're inadequate or we can't do it. And it's not about Mm. us and it's not about striving Mm. or doing more 
It's about opening ourselves up to the gift of God who increases our capacity to love in ways that we never expected, you know. And for me, being open to the gift of life has stretched beyond my own children to, you know, being a godparent to other you know, to other children or just loving um, and being open to the gift of life that comes into my home, you know, like whoever is needy, whoever might need, you know, just the love of a mother. I'm like, I can, I know I can give this to you now. Like I, I know that I have this to offer. And it, and it started with just being open to begin with, and then your life radically changes. So I think that's just an encouragement, too, that the more we open ourselves, the greater our capacity is. And God is the one who fills in everything. Like, he is the, he is the love, right? He's not just, like, you know, loving. He is love, which is incredibly beautiful. And yes, and I love that. And I love that you, you met your mind, all of us, you're minding me right now. And I'm just really convicted of that, that it's God who gives us the measure because we can't do it on our own. Mm-hmm. And otherwise we just end up striving. It's true. Like, and we've talked about this, we just end up striving and I got to be perfect and I have to do more. And just the act of opening is a response. It's a receptivity to God's call and that he fills in the rest. So, uh, Michelle, what are, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I love the about the expansion. You know, I've been pondering that. Um, and I, I'm just a firm believer that God um, asks things of people that he knows trust him and will say yes to him and say yes to like, I mean, that's why he chose Mary in the beginning. She said yes, you know, because she trusts him and leaning in, not how you're going to figure out how you're going to do it or how it's going to be done, but trusting him that he is without measure. And we measure things out. Like, what is this going to cost me? How much is it going to take of my time? What are we getting? You know, like we're trying to, we try to control it. Like I said earlier, and he is without measure and his resources are, you know, limitless um, and just powerful. And like his well never runs dry. Like he is overflowing with milk and honey and coffee. And I mean, he's just <laughs> powerful. And hot water. Yeah. And hot water. <laughs> and so, he, yeah, it's really good. But we had an interesting situation a week and a half ago. Yeah. Um, and there was a situation where three kids had to be, um, extracted from their house. They were three little kids and they were going to be put in foster and they didn't want them to go into the foster care system. So there's a thing called safe families. And so a big church here, um, sent out a text message and said, okay, who can take these kids? There was a four, a three and a one-year-old. So someone had the one-year-old, someone had the four-year-old and the three-year-old will still up. Okay. That being said, March is probably my busiest month of the year in 2017. I have two events, traveling, a lot of deadlines. So I mentioned it to my family, you know, like, look, this little three-year-old and my husband and my kids are like, yeah, let's do it. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) troops. Like, all right, if we're doing this, you know, and I I stopped and all I'm trying to do is figure it out, like how this is going to work. You know, like I'm trying to figure it out. And I said, all right, people, like, if we're going to do this, this is not mom doing this. This is a family call, not a mom call where it all falls on me, you know? And so I'm walking my kids to school that day after we had the conversation in the kitchen. And um, one of my kids said, mom, do you not want to do it? And I said, no, I do want to do it. It's just not a convenient time. And my son looked at me, who's kind of cute, kind of a punk, said to me, um, uh, mom, when is the gospel ever convenient? Oh, no, he didn't. Oh, I love that. Oh, yes, he did. He totally called me out. I know, right? Like, totally called me out. And it was such a conviction 
on my part, you know, and I'm like, all right, God, if you call us to it, you will provide and you will do it, you know? And so it was beautiful. And I, uh, what ended up happening is we did not get a three-year-old, but another family got the one that adopted, I mean, brought the one-year-old in, fell in love so much with the one-year-old and could not bear for these siblings to be separated. So now they are, have all three kids together and now they're fostering to adopt. Oh, you know, it's just a That's beautiful incredible. story, but it was just such a good lesson to me. Like God is the giver of all good gifts. He is the giver, you know, beyond and that he invites us in when we receive his grace, we receive his calling, receive his spirit. He invites us into stories of redemption and restoration that are the freaking best stories that you could ever imagine. You know, like yeah. this is the stuff that makes life worth living, you know. Um, the side of heaven. So yeah, that was that, my experience. Yeah. That is so, so beautiful. And I <laughs> like Michelle on one hand, you know, it's shocking and it doesn't surprise me. Like just knowing you and Chris and your hearts and just how your children have informed as well. Um, it doesn't surprise me, but I mean, Chris was out of town. Your assistant, Annie was out of town. Like there was nothing convenient about it. And, and that's, that's where I think we need to, where where receptivity can bear the most fruit, you know, our receptivity when it's not convenient. And if we look at Our Lady again, there was nothing convenient about that. She was a young girl. She's 14. There was going to be, you know, a lot of fallout from this decision. Like people were going to, you know, shame her. And it was not convenient in any stretch of the imagination. Um, and my friend, my good friend, Father Justin Brady, he brought to my attention just something really beautiful. Like when God is is inviting us into something that often, you know, needs our receptivity, we often say, why? Like, why are you doing this? Why? <laughs> why are you asking me? What? Why? Do you, you know, what do you want from me? Or whatever our response is. Um, and he said, but if we look at our lady, her response was how, which is the same language you use, Michelle. How? Oh. How is this going to happen? Instead of why God, you know, like questioning him almost indignantly. Um, and I think that that is a beautiful question. God, how are you going to do this? Because it allows him to display his greatness in us. And I mean, gosh, he's so great, you know. Oh, I love both of that. I, I love both your reflections. And I, I like that reality of in, inconvenience, I think, because we're in a society that everything has to be very convenient. And it reminded me a lot of, of St. Mother Teresa, who is renowned, world-renowned because she was willing to receive the inconvenient and help how that spoke to people of all faiths. You know, people to this day come to volunteer at her shelters that are atheists, that are Buddhists, that are Hindu, that are, you know, every walk of life because they can see the good of the receptivity of helping suffering humanity. And that's really what a woman's heart reveals. And I, it's, it's incredible, an incredible gift uh, that, you know, the, it's not a passive state, right? It's an active state of receiving the gifts of life and love and giving them back, you know, a hundredfold to a world in sorely in need of it. And that's part of our feminine genius is, is receptivity. I, so we're going to have to, or we're coming to a close here in our first episode. I can't wait to delve more deeply into this, but ladies, we always do our one thing for the week. So Michelle Benzinger, you who rock the faces off of most people, anybody that knows you, what is your one thing of the week, my dear friend? Um, okay. Well, majority of these answers are not spiritual. Someone, <laughs> um, someone asked me the other day about our podcast and it's like, okay, Heather is why sister Miriam is holy. And I'm just comic <laughs> really, um, when it comes that is to so this. untrue. That is so uh, untrue. Whatever. So the one thing that is 
rocking my face off, whatever, is um, Heather sent me a link to Coldplay's new song. It's kind of upbeat and fun. We will, I will get the link to it and post it on our um, podcast website. And I am loving that. And then also, I just want to bring to everyone's attention that I was with Heather this past weekend and we were doing an event down here in Florida in Fairhope. And she brought me a present and I was so excited Aww. to get a present from her. She brought me poopery. Like, I do not like bodily functions. So that she would give this to me, like, seriously, after 20 years of friendship. That is not my one thing. Like, I don't want that to be my one thing. And I do not like that one thing. So, um, Heather, just in case you need to know, like, I was not receptive of your gift. <laughs> it's I think that's so, an awesome gift. Like, that's a friend so gift right there. It's so practical. You know, there was something else I sent her a picture of this cute little puzzle piece. She's like, oh, did you get me that for a gift? And I said, no, but I got you something else that's so practical. So Michelle says, you don't want to talk about it. That is my one thing. Poo-pourri. <laughs> it's this wonderful little spray. It comes in a personal size, which you can have in your purse. So when you're in those uncomfortable situations, and I would like, I was sort of imagining, you know, at a retreat center, you're sharing a dorm room. Um, there's a lot of women around. What a perfect little thing to have. That's my one thing, Michelle. <laughs> I can't believe we were having this conversation. Sister, I, please I, re- redeem this conversation, please. Save us. I think, I think our listenership just skyrocketed by all the yeah. men, all the husbands of the women who live to it. They, they just started listening because of poopery. I, yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I was going to do a holy one and then a mundane one. Um, I'm loving, uh, I think Heather, both of you had sent me a Spotify uh, playlist of some awesome music. And one of them was, um, is it Jeremy Riddle? Is that how you say his last name? Yeah. Singing fall afresh spirit of the living God, come mm-hmm. fall afresh on me. And that has been my prayer for Lent. Like I just see my soul part of my, you know, just layers of ice in my soul. And I'm like, Lord, just please melt what is frozen, warm, what is chill. And that song has just been ministering me to me deeply. And so that's one of the one of the one things, and I have to say another one thing. A great can I just say a great Lenten breakfast is just some whole fat, not non fat, but whole fat plain Greek yogurt, which is all your protein, hardly any sugar, and then put some fresh fruit and some walnuts in that, and some cinnamon. Girl, you're good to go for the morning. So <laughs> I just told you breakfast. That's a great. It's a great Lenten breakfast. So anyway, but uh, thank you all for listening today. And but don't forget, this is the beginning of a four part series on the feminine genius and. If you like our podcast, please, please, please give us a rating and a review on iTunes. Subscribe to us at abidingtogetherpodcast.com. Um, you're going to get new emails for new episodes, and you can leave us comments. You can ask us questions. We're just so grateful for you. So we hope you have a blessed week, and God bless you. We'll see you again next time.